This episode is sponsored by our friends at Fujifilm North America. Their X-Series digital cameras and lenses may just give you that creative edge you're looking for in your portraits and events. You'll find everything from 40 megapixel image quality to 40 frames per second bursts, plus unique in-camera film simulation modes and effortless usability. Click the link in the episode description to find the full range. There has never been a better time to invest in your passion, so make sure to click the link. Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast. Part of me enjoys creating things and developing software is fun because you get to pull out wild ideas and bring them to reality. And that's what we do with photography as well. It's like when the clients come through and you ask them, how would they like to be photographed? It's a process of figuring that out and helping create something that's unique to that client. This is the Portrait System Podcast, a show that helps portrait photographers and people hoping to become one navigate the world of photography, business, money, and so much more. We totally keep it real. We share stories about the incredible ups and the very difficult downs when running a photography business. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and the point of this podcast is for you to learn actionable steps that you can take to grow your own business and also to feel inspired and empowered by the stories you hear. Today's guest is Neon Howe, and I really love this interview. Neon is a portrait photographer in Modesto, California, and while he's been at it for a while, life just gets in the way of growing your business sometimes, and Neon shares all about what his journey has been like. Neon ended up leaving his full-time job to go part-time, and eventually he became a stay-at-home dad for his two sons. In the meantime, he was juggling getting his business up and running with family and everything else, And what he talks about is so relatable to so many people. Neon has his studio at home, and he creates the most beautiful portraits with absolutely perfect light. It was really fun to get to know Neon a little bit more, and I know you're going to love listening to him. Okay, let's get started with Neon. Hey, Neon. Welcome to the Portrait System. How are you? Doing well. Thanks. I feel like this has been a long time coming, interviewing you. It has been. (laughs) I know we had to reschedule a couple times and I just, I don't, I love your work so much and you've just been part of the SBE community for so long, just such a great, like positive energy. And so, yeah, I'm I'm excited to finally have you on. It's awesome to, to be on here and it's like, wow, I don't know if I really can be here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, whatever. You know, I feel like I know when I asked you to be on, you were like, me, are you sure? And I'm like, uh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like yeah. you don't give yourself enough credit, I think. It's fun and exciting to to make it onto the podcast. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, let's actually get started. So you were not always a full-time photographer. And actually, you're just on the brink of doing like full full-time photography, right? Right now? Yes, pretty much. Okay. So before photography, what did you do? Before photography, I went to school for a computer science degree and 
that was my career as a software developer until my son was born in um, 2014. We got the opportunity to kind of look at where I wanted to go as photography started to become a um, more of a focus and possibility for me during that time. Mm, okay. Okay, so so at that time, did you quit your software job, or were you still working when your first son was born? I was still working. I had the opportunity actually just kind of dip my toes in the water, so to speak. I started consulting for the workplace that I used to work at, just to see if I had the time or the the ability to to ramp something up like this as you know, starting yeah, your own business. Yeah. Well, that's kind of nice to have that like safety net, I guess, before you just quit altogether. Totally, it was it was comforting just to have like, okay, yes, the the money's still coming in, and you're not just jumping directly into trying something new, so to speak. I guess. I mean, that's mm-hmm, running mm-hmm. a business now being in the thick of it is is quite an undertaking, I guess. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember when I was a school social worker, I was able to go down to part-time for one year, one school year. And, and you know, a lot of that was obviously because I wanted to be in business for photography full-time. Part of it was because of a family member issue that I, I needed to help help with. So it was it was kind of like a blessing in disguise to have that part-time one year to, like, I was still getting half of a paycheck, <laughs> paycheck from my, you know, from the school every month. But obviously, my pay was cut in half and no more benefits and that sort of thing. But it, it just felt somewhat less risky, I guess. So I'm wondering if that's how it was for you, too. Totally. Definitely less risky. And potentially, one might have not pushed as hard, I suppose. It's kind of an interesting double-edged sword. Like, mm-hmm, you have mm-hmm. this... This comfort zone, I guess, that when starting something new, you might need to be out of it a little bit. Yeah. Yes, totally. Although I remember thinking, like, it will be a cold day in hell before I go back to full-time or, you know, like, full-time social work. Like, I knew I was done. Like, there was not an option for me to go back. Yes. At all. So, gosh, I guess it could really go either way, depending on how much you like that current career, you know, that you're in before photography. Totally. For me, it was definitely a fun thing. I realized after doing kind of this recent project um, that part of me enjoys creating things and the part of developing software is is fun because you get to pull out wild ideas and bring them to reality. Yeah, yeah. And that's what we do with photography as well. It's like when the clients come through and you ask them how how would they like to be photographed, it's a process of figuring that out and helping create something that's unique to that client. And it can be exciting, nerve-wracking, but totally fun when you're in the, the thick of it. Oh yeah, for sure. And and just from looking at your work and knowing your work, you're definitely a creator. And obviously all photographers, all artists create in some way. But I think some of us are more lean more towards that like your main profile, I guess, is like creator. And and I feel like when I look through your work, you have that. 
like there's just something about what you do that is just it's unique and it's it's just really cool and really creative. Thanks. It's fun to hear that because I don't know if it's the the internal voice that's in my own head going, gosh, you need to do a lot more work and figure out how to do these things because there's all these other people who who obviously make it look effortless and they're wild creations. I mean, Richard Wood, for example, like his stuff <laughs> right, is just right. off the charts. And you go, how how can you tap into a fraction of that creativity? Well, I will say though, I don't know if you listened to the episode that I did with Richard, but it is definitely not effortless. He like <laughs> Oh no, I totally understand. <laughs> goes it was like batshit crazy trying to do his, you know, get his his final touches together and just like the whole process is it's intense. But it is interesting how you can look at someone else and think like how it does. It just seems like it's just easy for them. You know, whether it's making the money or creating something totally off the wall, creative or whatever that might be. Yeah, it's interesting. It's the uh, looking outwards instead of looking inwards and, and kind of just processing and letting it, letting it kind of stew and manifest itself. I don't know. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. Okay, so you went down to just part-time where you're just doing consulting, and then you stayed at home with your son, right? Because your, your wife works in healthcare, is that right? Yes, exactly. So I did that, and I became a stay-at-home dad slash consulting. So that was great. It was an opportunity for me to spend time with our son and then try to figure out how to run a business. So consulting mm-hmm. was kind of almost like a step, halfway step into running your own business because you have to manage your own time and figure all that stuff out. But I did formally set up the business and, and got that going. And it all is kind of like a whirlwind process at that time, I guess, trying to figure out what you're supposed to do properly for the location that you're at. Mm-hmm. All with a newborn. All with a newborn. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's, you know... I think every one of us with children knows the whole process of trying to secure a babysitter or just nanny. We we ended up getting mm-hmm. a nanny um, during that that time, and so that helped to allow me to schedule things. And I think the interesting thing when starting out as a business is you think you have to accommodate. The client schedule, and and to a degree you do, but you are the business owner, and you get to dictate when you want to work. Yes, and that was a a big hurdle to still overcome. Thinking like, oh, I can only work weekends, but you really want to have your own weekends. So, it's like, mm-hmm. how do you juggle this? <laughs> totally, I love that you brought that up, Neon, because it's such an important thing, and you know. I remember someone brought this up in the group or something where they were saying, you know, how do I convince clients to do shoots during the week? And I was like, well, I never do. Very rarely, maybe like a couple times a year, do I work on weekends? And I was like, my clients don't need to know even that I don't work weekends. I say, here is my availability. For all they know, your weekends could be totally booked up with other clients. Like you just, this is what I'm available when I'm available to shoot and 
here you go. And they're like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll take a half day off of work or, you know, whatever. And I don't know. I'm like, it's kind of as simple as that. It pretty much is. It's when I, I think about it, it's just like, even if you're not making a doctor's appointment, you've got to go get your car worked on. They're like, okay, well, we're available uh-huh. at this time on this date. <laughs> yeah. Can you make it? And you go, you look at your schedule and you determine whether or not you can do it. And that's pretty much how we as consumers operate with the business people. So you kind of have to take that step yeah. back and realize, oh, that's what people will do. They'll work with your schedule. And Yeah, that's such a great point about other other businesses that we don't expect doctors to come work on weekends or car mechanics or whatever that might might be. So that's such a good point. And then, I mean, and that's not to say I, when I first started out, I was working weekends because I had another job and I was worried that if I didn't open up weekends, I just, clients wouldn't book me. So I remembered having that sort of like desperation feeling. Mm-hmm. But once I realized like, okay, no, no, it doesn't have to be like this at all. And that happened after I had kids. I was like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> and there's nothing to say that you... So. If you want to work weekends, go for it. And if you have the time, mm-hmm. do it. It was mm-hmm. just something that I I had determined after doing um, just regular work and then trying to set up the business myself and wanting to spend yeah. time with family as well on the weekend. It was just like, oh, I ultimately don't want to work on the weekends and I have to get over this concern. Mm-hmm. And potentially sure. having the the safety net of consulting Money coming in still goes, well, I don't need to work on the weekends kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, okay, so you also said something else that that I, I think is really important. And and I want to talk about it because I think there are a lot of parents out there who, who are in the situation where it's like, okay, I have kids, I want to run a business, but I also have this sort of guilt and maybe this was just me I'm curious mm-hmm. if you felt like this too but I had this kind of guilt that well if I'm an entrepreneur I make my own schedule I'm going to stay at home I should be able to kind of do it all and you know work when the baby's sleeping you know and try to do it while my kids were at my at the, at the time I just had one son when he was at home and I found myself so frustrated and so irritable and I I started paying attention to when am I you know feeling this horrible way of like just frustration and irritation. And I was like, oh yeah, it's when I'm trying to do two things at once. I'm trying to be mom. I'm trying to be business owner at the same time. It was not working for me. And that's when I was like, all right, we need to either get daycare or, you know, we need to work something out. Like, did you, did you go through that at all? Oh, definitely. It's having to schedule your, your time around, a child's sleep schedule, I mean, which can vary between what one hour <laughs> to four hours depending on right. age. Or and you're like thirty minutes if he wakes up early yeah. and then you're like and then you're, yeah, you're yeah, totally. you can't do anything for the rest of the day because they're up and awake and you have to spend time with them. So yes, mm-hmm. the it was there was a lot of pressure in that that space when you didn't have child care service to go, okay, I need to I can only plan shoots during this four-hour window, and sometimes that four-hour window is not four hours. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, right, and, and that speaks to us having to be able to find some 
some sort of stability in our scheduling. And and having children feels like it's just chaos sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. And um, definitely working to find out, okay, I need to have four hours, six hours out of the day. How can we accomplish this? And, you, and then you figure out, yes. okay, what is the cost of that? That's my cost of doing business. And understanding how to just kind of roll whatever things you need if it's going to cost something that's the cost of doing business and and then kind of accepting that as part mm-hmm. of the process i guess this is thinking yeah i love that i it, i think people sometimes forget to roll that cost of childcare into their cost of goods and cost of doing business and that is an, an yet another reason why you have to price yourself sustainably but we'll get we'll get into that later Definitely. but also, I think it's not only that, but it's the mental game of not having guilt. Like I remember thinking, well, I didn't quit my social work job just so I could put my kid in childcare full time. You know, like, like, wait a minute. I was just feeling so much guilt and shame for not being able to like, quote unquote, do it all. And it's like, uh, actually, we can't do it all. Like that is physically and mentally and emotionally not possible to be a full time business owner and taking care of your kids full time. Like, it's exhausting. It. it- Totally, he can't try to do it all. And something that's, I think, maybe we want to think that we have the capacity to do everything from taking care of everybody in the household to doing a job. But yeah, at the end of the day, you have to delegate. And and that's Mm -hmm. part of the process of like running the business. Yeah, and obviously every family's, different. So there might be someone out there thinking, well, I do that or, you know, like, oh, I I can't be a full-time person because I can't afford childcare. You know, there's just so many different elements. Maybe someone doesn't have a partner who helps contribute financially. I mean, there's just so many different elements. So it's so important for obviously everyone to evaluate their own situation. But similarly to you, my husband and I decided that he would quit his job Mm -hmm. and just work very part-time. And then we had, we ended up getting three days of daycare a week. And then or it was like two and a half days, really. And then my husband stayed home um, for two days a week, and then I did one day a week. Mm-hmm. And it was so great after that. <laughs> like it, it was like such a relief when we both got so much time with, with our son. And then we also, I got to focus on the business. And it's just, it was it's just once I like let go of the pressure of having to do it all, oh, it was so great. I feel like that's when my business really took off. Definitely. It's so freeing just to be able to have your child taken care of and then mm-hmm. you can just you know it's just release of that that responsibility in your mind of oh I have to make sure that the child's taken care of they're alive and well and all that that stuff while you're also trying to juggle this process of like okay how do I kickstart this business how do I come up with the ideas and the people that I need to bring in it's interesting because I started all of that stuff, but with the the you know the oncoming of the pandemic and the shutdowns and whatnot, all of the photography work and networking that I'd done had slowed down, and now I'm mm-hmm. I'm almost feeling like I'm back at ground zero, um, mm-hmm. but I don't. It's funny because I'm not scared as I was. 
in the beginning at around 2014. Why the shift in that, do you think? Why why is that fear kind of dissipated? I guess there's a comfort in knowing that I've worked up the skill set for mm-hmm. photography. So I know I can capture the images. I have my price points set. I know I can achieve those purchase points, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's just more of dusting the rust off or kicking the dust off, whatever, um, and just bringing awareness back to the brand, to the photography kind of process. And yeah, I mean, yeah. it still seems daunting. Like there's a lot of work to be done, but it's not, uh, oh my goodness, when you say like figure out the, the amount of money that you have to, to bring in for your own business, and you look at that number and you go, oh my God, how am I going to do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh, I remember that feeling, yep. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting because when I started out, uh, just like many of us, it was, I think my my max price was at 250 and you got a CD of images. Mm-hmm. And then um, I happened to be trying to figure out, okay, who in the industry is teaching um anything about the business side of photography because a lot of people just talk about the technical side of how to get the photographs. But I wanted to know, like, how do you make money? And I landed on, I think, Julia Kelleher. And then eventually, (laughs) because newborn, oh, dad's going to take newborn photos, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, yep. She's an amazing newborn photographer. She actually did newborn photos of a van. Oh, really? Yeah, she's incredible. Mm -hmm. And so she talked about the business side, but it wasn't until I I saw like a bit between Sue and Kelly Brown on uh, Creative Live that I was like, oh, Sue's touching more on this business side and then a whole 12 points of businesses and and whatnot at the time. And then I just went down that rabbit hole and just looked at the cost of doing business and you're going, oh my goodness, if I want to make six figures, I have to charge X amount of money and how many clients can I ideally take in and, and all this stuff. And it's just like, oh boy, that's a big number and that's a lot of people. I was just charging $250. That's even more people <laughs> if I wanted it. <laughs> right, right. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I want to hear about how you kind of made the leap to raising your prices and that sort of thing and building your portfolio and all that. But I want people to to know just a little bit more about what you shoot. And then you also have a two-and-a-half-year-old. So you had you and your wife had another baby just prior to to like when the pandemic hit, right? Yes. So, so you have a seven-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. Yeah. I just want to make sure people know that. So like, just when you're like feeling like you're on the right trajectory, you have another baby, the pandemic hits. So tell us just about like what you typically shoot, who your target client is, and, and where you live, like just the basics. Yeah. So my clientele, my target focus is our, our women, 35, 45 age demographics, and... I've I've fallen more into Sue's style of shooting, the idea being contemporary magazine style photo shoot with hair and makeup. And we 
always begin our shoots with a consultation to determine how they want to be photographed, whether it's just going to be them, their family, um, a friend. And throughout the shoot, I typically do about a two and a half hour shoot with hair and makeup and they'll have about three to four different outfit changes during that process. And um, I've also incorporated a bit of headshot work into my business. It just seemed like a good way to have, I don't know, it's funny to say it, but kind of like a side gig to your main gig. Yeah. Never hurts to have multiple income streams, that's for sure. Yes, so it's a, as an alternate stream, after going to the first Portrait Masters and and having Peter Hurley there, it sort of kind of sparked an interest into doing headshots. And I had basically spent a year focusing on doing Sioux-style photography, then saw Peter Hurley and tried to figure out a way of, of building that headshot business into the into my business and it's been awesome because it's so much easier than just doing a full-on photo shoot and you can get paid just as much which was yeah also yeah. daunting <laughs> oh yeah no I, I and trust me i love that topic personal branding is like my bread and butter my jam like i just put on a course on it because truly it is to me the most efficient yes i love doing it and it's such great money, and it's not super li- like laborious and time intensive. Yes, exactly what basically what you just said. Yes, <laughs> so I feel you on that. And so I'm a portrait photographer based here in Modesto, California, which is Central Valley, California. And my typical schedule is I aim to sh- shoot twice a week. And then I have a day for consultations and or reveals and kind of just kind of stagger. That's the ideal schedule. It's staggering shoots and reveals appointments. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like a great schedule for sure. I love that. And then, Neon, I want to hear about your pricing and how you do all that. And we'll talk about that. But before I forget, I want to talk about your lighting because it is absolutely amazing. Like I'm looking at your Instagram and there is the most beautiful pregnant woman in the street. Mm-hmm. So that one, there's, so it looks like you did some, uh, some sort of project like self-portraits possibly. So there's some really, really amazing self-portraits here of you and they're all lit incredibly. Like there's one sitting here of you, you're like on a gold couch. Mm-hmm. And then the third one photo that jumped out at me, it's such a simple portrait, but it's of a blonde woman in the black, like off the shoulder sweater. Mm-hmm. But the way you lit her and edit wise is just—I love it. It's like painterly, I guess, without being too heavily painterly. I don't know. If that's the best way to describe <laughs> it. But it's funny because like we we all go through this journey of finding like our our own style, and I still mm-hmm. feel like honestly I am constantly evolving, and yeah. I think that's all the best thing that can happen is like we we're always evolving and it it just ages well hopefully but yeah no lighting has um i think from my computer science background or just my nerdy background i i needed to figure out how to like make things look good with the lighting and Mm -hmm. that was Mm -hmm. that's been quite a journey 
to just jump in. And it can be daunting because you have natural light and, and from watching Sue, you learn to, to embrace and, and work with the natural light. Um, and then, then when it comes to strobe lighting, oh my goodness, that was, it's so daunting. It's like, do you point the flashes or the, the strobes at the people? <laughs> no. And then you, you uh-huh. hear people go like, you have to feather the light. You have to point the light actually away from your subject and you'll get better light. And, and you think, away? How does that work? <laughs> right, right, right. So counterintuitive. So it was great that people like Felix Kuntz, uh, has his educational material just to explain and and break down the the lighting to where it's like cooking and you just toss in different flavors that feel good and you just you got to sample along the way kind of process versus of hard mathematical numbers or settings kind of process which mm-hmm. is where my brain would want to go is like Okay, I need to know that I have to shoot at one two hundred of a second. I'm using f eight, so my lights have to be dialed in at uh, you know eight eight power or whatever. And ultimately, though that that takes too much brain power. And when you're on set shooting, you just have to be like, okay, I know that my camera settings, their basic dialing. Zones are one two hundredth of a second. I like to shoot in the studio at between five point six and eight aperture and one hundred ISO. So from there, your lights can get dialed in ideally at you know half the the power that your your lights are kicking out, and just shoot and adjust from there. But that has been a journey that I could talk about yeah, forever. Yeah. <laughs> So the work that I, <laughs> the work that I see recently though is strobe. You're saying, yes. Uh, so yeah, the maternity okay. shoot that's outside that was that was all natural light. Okay, gotcha. And that that was fun, just being out in San Francisco and and finding that perfect spot where not many people were uh, wandering and getting kind of like that. Yeah, that peaceful, it's very shot. beautiful. It was this a seventy to two hundred lens. Do you remember what you used? Trying to think. Honestly, I think I was using a 135. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah, I love it. I love, love, love it. Yeah, at that that time. If you're listening and and you're wondering, you can go to Neon's Instagram. It's Neon How Portraits and you'll see it. But Okay. Well, I could just, I just love your light so much. It's just, it's really amazing. And it doesn't feel like strobey, like too, too much strobe it's going on. I mean, I, I, I was actually wondering like, is this strobe? Is this natural light? And that, I think that's when you know you do light really well, when people can't even really tell. Thanks. <laughs> you know? Yes, that's, that is my goal. I mean, I love the look of natural light, but I shoot in my home studio, so... It's, oh, home studio. Okay. Yes. Uh, it's pretty much, I used to have a home studio that was was full of light, but now I've we've set up our garage to be the, the studio space and it is pretty much all in, enclosed. So using the strobes is, is generally what I have to use. And so my, my push is to try sometimes to be able to recreate kind of that natural light feel. Yeah. Okay. What's it like having a studio at home? Do you like it? It's convenient. There's mm-hmm. 
There's definitely you know the pros and cons of it. You don't have technically you have your away space, but it's not completely away kind of deal. So right, the commute right. is great, but sometimes the commute <laughs> is like, oh well, I'm still at home kind of feel. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. The kids know where they can find you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which is still a good thing. But yeah, no, it's yeah, yeah. it's awesome just to have that dedicated space. I, I know my wife was going crazy just having my, you know, V flats and light stands kind of occupying a living space. And now she has her full living space and I have my ability to just kind of build a set and and leave it. So that's I think that's the great thing of being able to have your own dedicated space is just if you've got a set idea, especially when I was doing um, this latest project, I, I decided to do a 40 days of 40 being 40 years old um, okay. kind of project just to kind of, I don't know. It was a, a way to kickstart some photography that had gone dormant during pandemic times, I guess, so, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so being able to leave your, your stuff ready to photograph again is, is awesome in, in regards to having your studio. Yeah, yeah. So that 40 days of being 40, that's, that's a lot of the self-portraits that I see. They're really cool, just super creative ones. Yeah, it was... Uh, yeah. I've turned 41 now, but yeah, during those last moments of being 40... So just not to make it all like dramatic or anything, but the idea was just like, oh, cool. I'm 40 years old, which we get to this, our various stages in life. And at this point, I'm like, you know, 40 is a big milestone. And Mm -hmm. in the process of, of doing this, I was thinking of how can I connect to future clients and being able to go like, I want to share 40 days of myself being 40 potentially uh, sharing a little bit more of my life, what am I thinking and, and, and that regards to, to open up the idea of like being photographed. We go through this process of questioning of how to connect with our clients, how to communicate better with our clients. And my thinking with the project right. was to, uh, this was the, the avenue to, to help grease the wheel and show them that it's a great time to be photographed because we've we've reached mm-hmm. all of these different milestones we've learned all of these different lessons in life and it should be documented and we should have photos taken so yeah yeah it's really smart too because y- you could show your clients those 40 photos and one of them might really resonate with them and they'd be like that that's how i want you to photograph me like i feel like you've put so many different options out there for people that, I mean, who needs Pinterest? You could just be like, okay, (laughs) here's my, here's my 40 self-portraits and 40 different ways that I could photograph you. Exactly. Do you like any, you know, do you see yourself like there's a double exposure that you did of like flowers and your head, Mm -hmm. right? Is that what it was? I mean, just so cool. And then there's that really classy one, like I mentioned, of you on the gold couch, you know, with your yeah. tie kind of undone. There's, you know, 
the one with you walking away in your backpack. There's one with your son in the mirror. Yeah. And you're, you know, I mean, just so many really cool things that it's like you've got this really amazing portfolio that you could just say, here, pick, what do you like? <laughs> so it's smart. Exactly. And I mean, our goal is to to capture, you know, that array of images between, ideally, I like to shoot between 25 to 30 images for presentation. Well, present 25 to 30 images. Uh for the reveal process. So it's, mm-hmm. yeah, trying to spark those ideas for, yeah. for clients and showing them that they can be photographed. And it's not that, you know, your life is dull or boring or anything, but photography allows us to, to play a little bit, I suppose. And, mm-hmm. and you can present yourself as something more than you think you are. And then... I think the the fun thing is that once you do see that image, you realize, no, I am that. I am powerful. I, I am sexy. I am beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think that's the cool thing. Like I had a photo session done with Jerson at the first Portrait Masters, where oh, I came I into it. I love those photos. I came into it super nervous. It's like, oh my goodness, there's all these people who are crazy good photographers and as well just being in a space for portrait masters to be like I feel like a very very new person in the industry and all these other people seem so well versed in photography but the having done that session and and being able to dress up like GQ style and and take those photos in the beautiful space that we were in definitely brought out a confidence and I think it really shaped me towards the future of my my own career oddly enough doing a photo shoot interesting yeah and it's funny because I remember those photos I want to say Jerson got in the top 20 contemporary portraits with one of your photos you're kind of like laughing yeah it's a black and white yeah yeah I love that shot yeah that was totally fun and it's also neat just being able to you do the photo shoot you're for yourself and you experience the other end of the camera and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it helps helps you relate better to to the clients I feel yeah yeah well okay I want to talk just a little bit more on the business end you said you you typically show between 25 and 30 photos to each client tell me a little bit about your pricing how do you how's your pricing work that has been an evolution so when <laughs> Sue did the sales intensive. I worked off of the numbers from there. I believe I started on the low end, which was 900 for six images. Mm-hmm. So it was like 900, 1200, 2000 were the, the break points. And I've bounced around with the session fee being around 250 and then now I charge $600 for the session fee with a $400 credit. My images are $400. My base package of six starts at $1,800 and then goes up to $2,800 with a max of 20 images. Awesome. Okay. And then do you do prints and digitals or both? I provide prints. I use a folio box from Graphy Studio. And that has been an evolution in and of itself. I, I love the folio boxes, but the reveal boxes, I've grown to love those a little bit more as they operate mm-hmm. both as a display with the 
choice of image that you want to use and allow you to just store the images if you want them. Yeah, for people who are listening, it's a box. It has like a, the front of it is glass. So that's like you can see the first, it's like a frame. You can see the first image so you can swap out which one's on top. Exactly. And, and, and mix it and up. And that's how I educate yeah. the clients is this is basically your frame. And however you feel that day, you can swap out the image and it can go portrait or landscape mode. And it's a beautiful presentation piece. Yeah, yeah. And then, Neon, how are you finding most of your clients? So clients are, I'm getting client leads through my website. I've set up a form for clients to go ahead and fill out. As well, getting inquiries through, I guess, through Google. People are calling me and mm-hmm. they're saying they're, they, they found me from Googling. Nice, nice. Mostly, it's interesting, as I mentioned before, that, that focus to get headshots as part of the business. They come in for headshots and then I do more. So generally, we'll, we'll go from headshots into a full-on shoot, is what I should say. Yes, 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 yes. And, and prior to that, when, when I was getting the business, really working to ramp up the business was through networking. I would find people and just talk to, to people in the networking groups. And if there was somebody that I was interested in, I'd offer them a gift voucher. Sometimes it wouldn't be like, oh, cool, thanks for the gift voucher. Let's set it up sometime soon. It would be networking for another six months, and they go, "Oh, I'm ready for the shoot." Because it's a networking wise, mm-hmm. it's a process of just getting to know each other and building that know, like, and trust. Absolutely. And now, post pandemic, so to speak, I guess, trying to come back. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's uh, definitely a process of of reconnecting with the community, getting your face out there. I think that's the most daunting thing in the beginning is getting yourself out in front of people. Because prior to the the pandemic hitting, I was I was getting on a roll of booking a client or two every week. And when you're not broadcasting as much, then you know, nobody knows where you are. And yes. So yes. You, you might be the greatest thing on God's green earth, but they can't find you. So, <laughs> right, right. We have to be top of mind, I yes. guess, and, and stay relevant and make people remember us because you're exactly right. There are a million photographers. So we have to present ourselves often. Yes. You know, so that we end up being the one they want to book so they don't forget about us for yeah. sure. So so right now I'm I'm working back to that process. It's I'm thinking back during early 2019, all throughout 2018. I had basically set benchmarks for how many people I need to talk to in order to get how many people I wanted to book. Oh, I like that. And that was just working off the the one out of every ten people you talk to kind of rule. Um, it was and it was obviously easier because there was no pandemic and you could go up and talk to people and you're not worried about getting some virus. But having that ratio of who I needed to talk to helped to 
to get me out and and push and get those numbers. Whereas now I haven't been able to go out and and talk to people. So yeah, so now I'm working on on getting out there again, getting my face out in the community. Um, just because I know that the greatest, I suppose, avenue for getting bookings is actually doing face-to-face time. A lot of the mm-hmm. inquiries that you might get from a lead on your website doesn't always pan out, but I know that working direct communication with people is almost, it's like a 90 to 100% when it works kind of thing. Yes, yes, agreed. And I think it's just that people people get to see your personality, get to just see you, and the, it gives them a, a greater opportunity to, to go, oh, yeah, this probably feels right. And let's have Yeah, some and just to feel comfortable with you. Like, you make people feel so comfortable when you're in their presence, you know? So I'm sure that helps a lot, too. Yes. Yeah. It definitely works in our favor, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. It's been really interesting just to get a good pers- another perspective on on you know someone who left their old career and you know having kids and being a stay at home dad and having the business and everything. So I really appreciate you sharing every everything with with me and with our listeners. And yeah, it's been good. Oh, it's been fun. And thank you for having me on the. On the show. Oh, wait, you're not off the hook yet, though. I have four more questions. <laughs> oh, I knew those were coming. I knew those were coming. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the first question is, what is something you cannot live without when you're doing a photo shoot? Hmm. I'm thinking two things. Definitely the on the planning side, I like to have mood boards set up for the, our, my clients and myself. Uh, so working with the mood boards helps sets a stage for the shoot. And I like to kind of, the photo shoot itself is, is one of those moments where you're real. For me, it's, it's a high energy kind of deal. So mm-hmm. I like to get a little bit of a, a pre-shoot meditation in, be it five oh, or 10 minutes. Yeah. Just to kind of calm my own nerves because I I get very excited before the shoot, so that just kind of helps prepare me for the photo shoot itself. Yeah, yeah. I love that. So important to be in such a good mental space. Yes, and because we always get a little bit nervous in the shoot sometimes, and then you're going like, "Oh, wait, how do I do that pose?" Or this pose isn't really working for me. Or and you mm-hmm. can't move on from it. But I think if you're relaxed, um, you're you're more e- capable of redirecting or directing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. Okay, number two is how do you spend your time when you aren't working? I've picked up woodworking recently, which is another oh, expensive cool. hobby, apparently. Um, <laughs> but... My wife has loved it and been building different pieces of furniture for our our ever-growing needs in the house. And that's been fun. That's Um, cool. I love that. All right. So number three is, what is your favorite inspirational quote? I was thinking about that and everything that I've 
come to enjoy has boiled down to just do it. So it's kind of Nike's, just do it. Yeah, yes. <laughs> it's a slogan for a reason. Slogan. <laughs> it's a good one. It's it's interesting because in in the beginning we're we're just so caught up in all of this different bits of information and figuring out how to progress and really we just we need to take that first step and whatever it is is feedback and realizing it's feedback not failure if it is like something that didn't go right it's not failure it's feedback and you just come back iterate and move on to the next step and yeah that's where I was like, okay, well, it just boils down to just do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, and I think people sometimes think that it's like, well, how do I do it? And da, da, da. And it's like, try not to get caught up in the like, well, just do it, just do it. Like, that's not what it, what, no. what it really means. It's like, just take one step. Just yes. do one small thing each day. And the next thing you know, you're doing it. Exactly. It's, I think... Looking back on on all the stuff starting the photography business, there's a lot of questioning, right, mm-hmm. of how we, we should do things. And I find now, like, I have those questions still, I, but there's a confidence that, that grows in your ability of continually just taking that next step and, and finding out, okay, well, this didn't work, but that did, and realizing to a degree that a lot of the answers are contained within ourselves after absorbing so much information. I think even with with pricing, there's been a a case of like, okay, well, you start out at $250 for a session. And for me, I was like, well, $250 really isn't working. What do I do? Do Do I charge more? Do I not do anything else and just keep charging 250 and lessons learned are like well the next step is to to try a different price point let's try a different price point and you're scared it was like mm-hmm. well will clients pay that i don't know maybe they won't why don't you find out <laughs> i was like, okay mm-hmm. so next person calls you go well my session fee is $600 includes $400 credit and includes XYZ. And you get so pumped when they go, okay, cool, let's book. And you're like, wait, I just changed my price and it's higher. And it's interesting to kind of take in that whole process. Yeah, it is. Like, like I think going back to what you initially said is that everything, the answer is kind of within you. Like, with using your pricing example, you know you cannot sustain at $250. So you know your answer is raise your prices. Yes. And and of course we need to of course we go through the whole thing like we have to have someone externally tell us that we have to even though we know <laughs> it's like we need someone else to give us permission to put our prices to where they need to be. Yes, so it's, it's that validation. Even though we know we have to do it. Needed yeah. that that validation to see that oh somebody else is doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting in our uh community to to go and and see it's okay. You have permission to try things and tailor it to your needs, I think is the, the key thing. Mm-hmm. 
Totally. Cool. Okay. And then last question for this section is what would you tell people who are just starting out? Just starting out. Oh, running the business, photography. Yeah. Yeah. Or someone who is just, you know, just like maybe knows how to shoot, but they don't know what to, where to go from here kind of thing. For those just starting out, I I think there's an element of having fun that needs to just be fostered. You're going to be afraid to try some certain things that push you out of the comfort zone. And those are the things that I feel have to get dug into a little bit. Like from, for instance, when I wanted to photograph portraits of people uh, as a computer science nerd, people weren't things that I wanted to gravitate towards. And starting conversations was tough. But I wanted to do this 100 Strangers project. And I pushed myself to go out and talk to people and ask them if I could take photos of them, which was so daunting. But it has helped me develop the communication skills, I believe, to to get there and just relate to people. I mean, ultimately, people just want to be heard and listened to and be seen. And that's what we do as photographers is help people be seen. And so, yeah, just figure out what it is that you're afraid of in this whole process and maybe push just a little bit harder to master it. And that little, those extra little steps over time will help get you to where you want to be. Yep. Like exactly what you said. Little steps. It doesn't, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Exactly. For sure. Very cool. And then where can people find you online, Neon? I am on Facebook at Neon How Portraits, as well as on Instagram at Neon How Portraits. My website is www.neonhow.com. I think I said too many W's, but <laughs> but yes. Very cool. And Instagram. Oh, yes. So Instagram and Facebook are Neon How Portraits. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Just want to make sure you said that. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again. I'm sure I will see you online again soon, hopefully in person at some point. Are you going to the shootout? I am. Are you going? Yes, I'll be there for the first oh. section. Sweet. I will be there. I'll be there both sessions. Yay. Oh my gosh. I get to see you in person. Fan-freaking-tastic. Yay. Yes, exactly. Very cool. Yep. I get on a plane on Sunday. I cannot wait. Yes. Same here. So. So excited. Oh, good. Good, good, good. Awesome. All right. Well, I will see you on Sunday then. I know if, if you're listening to this recording, it's well, this will come out after the shootout, but um, well, maybe next time we <laughs> next time I interview you, we'll talk about how fun it was. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, you take care and I will see you in a couple days. Sounds good. Okay. Bye, Neon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Portrait System Podcast. Your five-star reviews really help us to continue what we do. So if you like listening, would you mind giving us a review wherever you listen? I also encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com where you can find all of the education you need to be a successful photographer. There are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 90-Day Startup Challenge plus so many downloads showing hundreds of different poses. We have to-do checklists for your business 
lighting PDFs, I mean truly everything to help make you a better photographer and to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com. It's time for me to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Fujifilm North America. If you haven't experienced portraits and wedding scenes created on the large format GFX system digital camera sensor, you are missing out. Along with up to 102 megapixel resolution, you'll find rich colors and gorgeous in-camera looks. There's also AI-driven subject detection and eight frames per second bursts inside the compact GFX 100 digital camera. Hit the link in this episode's description to view the products. It's time to dream big in your creative process.